There is a beef jerky experience in Deadwood. I didn't even oh, know that okay, was hold a on. thing. I, I feel like I missed it. Yeah. It's, it's not beef jerky. It's just the jerky experience. Okay. Well, so they have like oh, they alligator have every jerky, kind of jerky. And They've got and... alligator jerky, kangaroo jerky, goat jerky, I, all the jerkies you would never want to eat. Snake whenever jerky. I think of whenever I think of that jerky, though, I think of the Futurama episode where they eat like ancient alien mummies for jerky. <laughs> <laughs> you ate my king. Yeah, it's like it's a good one. It's a. I mean, we all know what chicken nuggets are, dude. Or I mean, poplars. I, I, are they called poplars? I had, I had dino nuggets today for lunch. It was glorious. Yeah, it's like one of my go tos. It it is a great thing about having kids is that like. They do, they do dino nuggets, and you can do dino nuggets with, like, hot sauce. I have, my kid doesn't eat solid food yet. I just have dino nuggets. So I, get, ooh, I, I just have like, dino nuggets. <laughs> I don't have a... Yeah, I'm not doing it because of kids. That's, that's not even the excuse. I'm just a kid at All right, heart. We are live now. All right. FYI. What does that mean? It means we're streaming. streaming. We're streaming. We're doing 20 live. people are watching us. Yeah, did yeah. you... Hey, um... Wait, this is recorded? the numbers for the webcast? today in the bhis notes i did for tomorrow's webcast no for our news segments like the amount of downloads we have for this is fairly oh strange. yes yeah oh, no we yeah. don't we don't look at the numbers john that makes it weird uh, yeah and scary if we know the numbers Corey isn't gonna be able to talk to people anymore he's gonna <laughs> correct there I'm are numbers everybody famous so <laughs> yeah i'm just gonna I'm just going to keep assuming that there's like 10 people that watch us and that will, that, that will keep me calm. We only care about the discord people anyway. So right, we <laughs> join the discord. if you want us to care about, you have to join the discord. Corey, did and you have your... anyone come up to you at, at way West and talk to you about the news? Yes, I you do. Did? And it's one of my favorite things because every single person is super nice and they're I, awesome and it makes i didn't so have happy. a single person come up to me and i was like man this is kind of well, yeah sad. because they thought you were everyone thought you were dave uh dave kennedy's security details so that, 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 that was pretty funny too that was like a real rumor like it was it was like i don't know why but people were actually saying this people were actually saying like Oh yeah, like Dave's a big deal now. He has security detail. Like this is a real rumor. I was like, hold on, you know this I'm is gonna, a joke, right? Gonna, this is a joke. I'm gonna play that up because I know that shit makes Dave uncomfortable. And it's <laughs> I mean, you were on a backpack, so I mean, that made me uncomfortable. So. Does it feel weird when you're part of a two dimensional backpack? Like, what does that feel like? It's, it's strange. Screw like the backpack. Think of the, the bathroom. Do if you want to know if you want to know what a good portion of my life is like. Get in front of a camera and just record yourself talking, and then listen to it. Yeah, oh. <laughs> I got the recording of my training, and I'm like, I don't dare. That's too long yeah. of me talking. <laughs> yeah. The backpack was awesome and terrifying. Yes, yes, it was. Are we? Let's kick this off because we got actually. This is for the news stories. This so far is my all-time favorite episode. You know what it's going to wow. be? It's going to be Solar Winds for thirty minutes, and then etc. For Solar 30. Winds towards the end. I We're not going to okay, talk about YouTube ads. Okay, blast <laughs> coming hot with the story at the end. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Stick around. All right, here we go.
Hello and welcome to another edition of Black Hills Information Securities Talking About News. My name is John Strand. And in this episode, I am super excited because it's not all about ransomware. There's a lot of ransomware, probably more than I'd like to have. But there's actual discussion of exploitation techniques. We'll be talking about the SEC charging a solar wind CISO for fraud and giving misleading evidence. We're going to talk about an exploit in Citrix, another similar exploit in Cisco, another similar exploit in Apache Active MQing or message queuing. We've got first ever levies uh, for HIPAA violations for a ransomware breach. Wait, this can't be right. Ryan? Yes. Ryan? I noticed that there's another exploit in here discussing Okta. That that can't be new this week, can it? <laughs> it might be. It might be. Oh, we'll see if we have yet another way that Okta stays in the news. Which, by the way, let's start out with that one. Um, you know how they say that there's no such thing as bad press for a company? I'm starting to rethink that, y'all. Um, in this particular story, trying to set it up, Okta uh, apparently suffered a third-party breach which exposed employee information this time it didn't include it didn't actively like include the technology of okta but they're warning five thousand of their current and former employees that their personal information is exposed after a third-party brand vendor was breached which to be honest for okta that's going to feel kind of good at this point, they're not the first <laughs> right? Like, at least it's not their fault this time. But at least it's not their fault this well, time. Well, hold on, gonna... hold on. They still have to pay the like, you know, they have to pay for it. So, you know. oh, I, I, no, it's a third party. What is it? Rightway. Um, in September 23rd, Rightway suffered a network breach, resulted in cyber criminals accessing eligibility census files. It's file very ironic it, it, and kind of sad. So, Rightway was the healthcare provider for Okta employees. Oh. So it's like not only are they getting breached to go after their customers, but their actual employees are getting their data breached from third parties. It's like, man, Okta, like you really rolled a natural one on this whole like public. <laughs> like it, you might have escaped. So like, okay, looking at Okta's like D and D fake history that I'm making up right now. So okay, 2020 they rolled like a natural 20 because COVID. Like everyone needs Okta. Like pr they it's probably printed money in 2020. Everywhere. Yeah. yeah, right? Like, I'm sure they printed money in 2020. But then in, you know, 2023, they rolled a straight up one. Like, they were trying to throw a dart and they hit their boss right in the eyeball and the guy went blind and then the whole company, you know, who knows? And let's but, stick with the gambling. Let's, let's stick with the gambling or the D&D &D analogies. It wasn't just a one one that was rolled this year. It was like two or three. And you can yeah. just tell that the executives are like, there's no way. There's no way we can roll another one. Three ones in a row. Damn it! <laughs> Spe yeah. Speaking of them yep. rolling ones, did you see how they blamed an employee for the for the data another data breach or for the data breach? Uh, really? There's another headline besides this one is Okta hacked blamed on employee for using personal Google account on company laptop. Yeah, I saw that one. Get that link. Yeah, yeah, I'll throw it to you right now. Okay, this is like so up my alley. Like this is. I, 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 like, when I read this, I'm like, oh, this is this is I, Corey to yeah, a T. Yeah, this is right up my alley. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've talked about this. We've blogged about this. I just keep saying it until I'm blue in the face. But yeah, don't allow data sync between. Yeah. Don't allow your employees to log into Chrome. I spent yeah, I spent a whole week doing browser credential detection if, creation if just claim, thinking of you. If you claim that it's someone's fault because they log into their Google account on their work PC, you're just admitting that you don't prevent that from happening. So that's on you. Like, yeah, and it, the, the service account, that thing was, was highlighted by a few others there that it's like the, 
there was a service account stored in the system, no MFA. You know, the you know, Google employee or not, um, the Okta employee logged into Google. And yeah, so it's compromising like a service account. Like, why was that being used and stored in such a manner? Oh, yeah. Well, no, there's no limit to the credentials that people save in your their browsers, whether it's service accounts for internal portals. Like, it is terrifying. But if you go through well, our data breach tool and you look at like URLs that are internal IPs, there are thousands upon thousands upon thousands of them. Yeah. Like, we've actually had instances where we looked in data breaches for Steeler malware. We saw internal IP addresses. Then we went when we were doing the internal pen test and logged into like internal network appliances using breached credentials from like some third party. So it's like, this is real. This happens. It's like, you can't blame your employees. Don't well, don't no, but, let this but, happen. But, but wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Back up for a second. Those automated pen testing tools that you can buy, they'll find those types of vulnerabilities, right? Uh, well, so or, John, you have to co- you have to pay for the data breach module. It's another ten thousand dollars a month. It's another yeah. ten thousand. But then yeah. they have AI that pieces that all together. <laughs> yes, right? AI pieces it together. It's definitely not a grep command. Don't through worry. machine totally learning, not. it le- understands what tools you're using to exploit. Yeah. And then from there, passes it to the AI into a single pane of glass. Where, oh, where it, it goes into Are you starting? How do I invest? <laughs> where do I put my... Where, me, tell me where to invest. Yeah, how do I invest in this buzzword bonanza? Um, <laughs> let's get so, that VC money, right? I, Wait, but we got it, this. It still goes back to like, okay, let, let's back up. Let's talk about 2020. Let's talk about 2019. Let's talk about COVID. Before that, right? Before Okta won COVID and Zoom won COVID for their platform. Everybody was talking about this idea of zero trust and how it was going to fundamentally change and secure. I mean, I remember sitting at booths and having people that sold zero trust solutions come over and like, we need to talk to you. Um, We'd really like you to talk about this. We'd really like to to have you talk about this stuff on your webcast because it's revolutionary. It's going to shut down all of these attacks. It's going, you know, zero trust, zero trust, zero trust all the way through, right? And then this starts happening. And uh, granted, not all of this is Octa's fault. But goddamn, it's kind of apparent that this was not the silver bullet that we thought it was going to be. I mean, I think it's better than not using something like Okta. Don't get me wrong, but uh, it, it it didn't. I, I don't think it fulfilled its promise. I guess is what I'm saying. As Milo says, "Shut up and take my money." I think the pro- part of the problem is is that everybody wants that silver bullet, and every single time it's shown not to exist. Not to yeah. say there are good products out there, but there is no silver bullet. Yeah, it's like the cake. The cake is a lie. The silver <laughs> bullet is a lie. <laughs> the frying pan is still effing hot. Stop trying to touch it there. Uh, so, like, like I said, I, I feel bad for Okta, like having this crappy of a year, but not that bad. Um, I mean, they're not. They're not Equifax like bad, but still, <laughs> it's been a really rough year. They're not Solar Winds level bad. <laughs> no, we're getting we're getting Solar Winds. Yeah, we're Sol- Solar Winds. Uh, you know, stay tuned for the rest of the show. You know. So I, I want to throw like one to Patterson. Um, so I got a question for you. Like the IR stuff that you've been working. You know, I've been watching the IR reports. You sent me that big long write up of some of the previous ones that you've done. Like a lot of this stuff, especially the recent one that you've been working, you've been parsing cloud logs uh like the past two weeks um and when we're looking at like ir i mentioned it i think on the previous show or it might have been during the webcast they all blend together but the nature of incident response is no longer just windows forensics right just mac forensics like you're now looking at these cloud providers you're looking at api keys you're looking at access to cloud databases and kind of wanted to get your take on this and how much it's changed and is it like within the past year or two, or has this been a trend that you've been seeing slowly going in IR? 
definitely shifted significantly in the last year to honestly t today m moments before this began i'm struggling with some cloud investigation that changed since day before yesterday <laughs> the the dynamism is is insane uh, it's it's fascinating fun frustrating um but absolutely seeing significant shifts away from sort of that traditional ir space of you know windows primarily linux secondarily for sure it's a brave new world Okay. All right. Anyone else have something else on this one before we move on to another story? Switch to ping. Switch to uh, ping. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm, joking. Joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I mean, it's also it's also worth mentioning. It's also worth mentioning. Like Okta does a lot more than zero trust, and none of these vulnerabilities have really been in specifically zero trust implementations. They're they're all in high trust implementations. Like yeah. you know, yeah. Yep. And, and I think underneath the hood, I think that one of the things that a lot of people don't understand is when you're talking zero trust, there's going to be a lot of high trust implementations underneath that veneer of zero trust. All right. So somebody else picked the next story. I'm, I, there's so many good ones I'm excited about that actually involve exploitation. So somebody else picked the next one. So uh, let's follow up. We talked about Boeing. We basically said we're waiting for it to be confirmed. That has now been confirmed. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's not it's not 737 Max 8 or whatever crashing, but it's not good. What was the data they did, in fact, get or have they released that at all? I didn't so, get a chance to do this one. The data is probably the least of their concerns because the ransomware actor is now also they're saying, you know, some of the stuff is down. So it does not affect flight safety, which I guess, thank God, they Yay. don't just have like ransomware on planes. <laughs> but uh oh yeah some of their some of their global services are currently down looking at the you know services.boeing.com site it's got a nice little hard hat site down due to technical issues it could be unrelated i suppose but ransomware plus outage equals ransomware outage yeah and it looks like they uh, i'm wondering if the outage is self-inflicted it's hard to tell from the press it could be me. definitely um you know lockbit is the group here um, they listed the data on Friday and they're still just kind of, you know, investigating, aka stringing the threat actor along slowly and painfully. We'll see. All right. Yes, I declined to comment. That's shocking. Who would have expected that? <laughs> I guess this ties good ties right into how four dozen countries declare they won't pay ransomware anymore yeah i love that that's that's well, a story that doesn't this this, uh, <laughs> this cyber attack only affects their global services business unit which they named it as generically as possible so i'm just gonna assume that's everything like i don't know what global services is but it sounds bad so okay this this kind of so this story kind of ties i think into the hipaa story so we have four dozen countries to kick declare they won't pay ransomware ransoms they have all of that um, oh god we've I, talked I honestly, about these before this is it, the it, same it, as california saying they're banning all non-electric vehicles in 2030 it's like sure you are yes, you're gonna that's gonna <laughs> and you're gonna yeah. change your policy the second you decide it was a bad idea and we it's a press release unicorns um but <laughs> I, I think that this ties into uh ryan can you jump over to fed's levy first ever hipaa fine for ransomware data breach. Uh, I, I think that these two are very much in, in line with each other, okay? Um, the reason why I think that these two are in line with each other is we've talked about in the past where people are like, don't pay ransomware, don't negotiate with terrorists. Uh, stop, right there, dead center. There it is. 100K um, fine. Wow, that's really going to hurt their bottom line. 
But but this this ties in. Um, the reason why is if you scroll all the way down to the bottom, this firm basically said that they didn't pay the ransom. Um, no customer data, no HIPAA, no actual PHI was actually breached in this particular one. And this is a company that actually refused to pay the ransom. So this kind of the reason why this concerns me is you have all these groups that are saying we're going to pledge not to pay ransomware and all that, and then you have groups that don't pay the ransomware. There's definite disruption consequences. Then they get fined, and I agree, a hundred thousand dollar fine isn't that big of a deal, but whatever. I, I think that the HIPAA compliance monitoring is going to be more expensive in the long run. But whenever you're a CISO, right, and we're this is going to tie this into Solar Winds at the top of the hour. If you're a CISO, right, and people are like, oh, you shouldn't pay because that's negotiating with terrorists and that's enabling bad actors to do bad things. And then you see the organizations that refuse to pay getting beat up, whether or not that's justified or not, the fines are justified or not, whatever that case may be, it's looking a hell of a lot more uh, enticing to pay the freaking ransom and throw this whole entire breach under the rug. So I kind of want to open it up to questions. We got a bunch of people in the chats and stuff. Why wouldn't you pay the freaking ransom? Like if your systems are down, you cannot restore from backup. And if you decide not to pay the ransom, you're down longer. Costs probably can sink the company. And then you have other organizations, quasi-governmental organizations around the world. They're going to find the living shit out of you because you went down for a ransomware attack or you could pay the ransom and there's a really good chance it'll quietly go. Um, insurance, possibly, and but even insurance companies, like insurance companies looking at this, like, I don't know, if insurance companies continue to pay for ransomware attacks I, moving forward. But I'd like to know, like, if you're seriously looking at that breakdown, um, how do you break on that? So we got I, a bunch of people. Go ahead. I honestly don't think that the it'll quietly go away exists as much anymore as it used to. There's just too much out there that wind up going ahead and breaking. And we see it every week, all the ransomware stuff, both paid and unpaid stuff mm -hmm. that comes out. I, they, they, yeah. Whether they pay or they don't pay, they're going to get their fine on it. What I'm curious about, especially with this story itself, is it says that they reached a settlement on it, which mm -hmm. to me says that they were going to find them more. But nowhere yes. does it say what they were going to originally find, find them. I didn't see what, that in the What would they give in concession? Like, how does that even like a tax break? Yeah. You don't, if you don't pay, you get a tax break. How's that? Like, <laughs> yeah, something like that. Wait, that's what, that's what I would to, see. But none of would... this has to do with whether they paid or not. Like, that isn't even part <laughs> of it. Like, the reason they're getting fined is 100% just because it says uh, their investigation found several areas of potential HIPAA violations, including failure to conduct an accurate and thorough HIPAA security risk analysis, aka they didn't get a pen test. Number two, failure to implement procedures to regularly review information, including audit logs, security incident tracking reports, failure to implement reasonable and appropriate policies. So basically, they're just like, HIPAA? Never heard of it. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, like, it doesn't have to do with whether they paid or not. They, they do. It also, the statement from the organization that is paying the fine is pretty funny. It's like, while no data or while no patient data was proven to be taken or sold, like, okay, oh, you're God. coming out of the gate salty here. Yeah, we see yeah. that a lot. So um, we've I think got some comments that I want to get to from the audience, though. Yeah. Uh, sure. Ranner said, policies need to incentivize desired action and outcomes. 
Fines under all circumstances just incentivizes deception and hiding breach information. And that's what I'm getting at. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's like, who cares if thing. you're going to get fined? Yeah. You just factor this into the, oh, well, you know, our health in, or our uh, cyber insurance has to cover the 100K HIPAA fine plus the ransom payment plus the, the you know, business. Yeah. yeah. You just and then uh, Adrian Perez, great comment from LinkedIn. I get the argument to not fund attackers. And I think we all do, right? But there are tons of businesses that are one breach away from going under, and the fine plus ransomware is their only option sometimes to stay alive. Um, that's that's a good one too. Yeah, yeah and, I mean, and John, on on that one, it's like I I saw um, ransomware incident that hit one of the uh, like gas station convenience store chains in the state of Wisconsin. Um, they didn't admit that it was like ransomware. They were down for a long time. Like the public sentiment for this was like. You couldn't use your gas rewards cards. There are some methods of payment that weren't valid. Um, you know, the, the the employees were getting there. Like, they couldn't keep track of, like, what the convenience store needed, which did lead to a, a bonus in that, like, they ended up giving out free beer because they had no idea, like, what should we ship to these stores? So they're just like, um, we're going to ship you, like, a bunch of butter. We have no idea how much you use. Well, for their bakery, they have no idea how much butter they need in a week. So they're like, we're just going to keep shipping you butter. Well, by butter, you mean beer. By butter, you mean beer. And then they did the same thing with beer, all other stocks. And they're like, we have no idea. And like the, the, you know, know, customers, the staff were just, they were frustrated. And so it's like, you know, just in the local news was all the. uh, If there's a breach, just give away free beer. I mean, their internal system was like how much, you know, the employees could not communicate how much beer they needed to headquarters. Like that system was bound. So headquarters were just like, send all of the beer. I know you're talking about like for retail purposes, how much beer they needed, but it's funny to imagine that like they just have like an employee beer requisitioning system. It's like, how many kegs you need at your desk there, bud? It's like, yeah, uh, so I heard they just, they just gave away for free because they're like, we have no place to store this. The headquarters are sending us too much. Um, yeah. Well, but yeah, I mean, so I mean, it came down to it's like just the Wisconsin sentiment was like, just why don't they just pay the ransom, get everything back up and running because it's impacting everything. Know, people's, it's impacting everything. So I mean, so, I think um, like whether you pay the ransom or not, recovery is its own like hey, unique beast. Mike, yeah. I, I want to get in your comment. You're communicating with people on, on Discord and stuff. People keep asking, is there any evidence that paying or not paying increases or decreases the likelihood of follow-on breaches? And you just said that you have not seen either paying or paying will prevent further attacks. And could you elaborate on that a little bit more? Because I think that that's important. Well, there's been no, while I haven't, we've seen some cases where a company's been attacked and then attacked again and then attacked again, which right there says flat out that it's not necessarily the same group all the time, but there's no honor among thieves. You're lucky that you're getting your data back if you pay. Either way, you're going to wind up being a target, if not for the same group, for other groups going forward. Uh, just because, A, you've, especially if you pay, I feel especially if you paid, because A, they know that you'll pay, and B, they know that you're susceptible 
and it but takes. Is there I mean, at the same, that? I don't know because. But there's, I mean, but there's, I but there's no. I, I, it, it said in there. I've not seen any evidence pointing there, either way. Yeah, that you're there's better been, off. There's been police stations, right? I think that's like one of the more well-known articles is where a police station paid and then got hit directly again because they didn't patch. I know well, there's been a couple yeah. smaller stuff like that. I also think right off the bat, like if you look at this on a smaller scale with uh, like phone scammers and that type of stuff, right? If you fall for it once, they usually keep calling you and you they keep trying to hit and you. Also so just because you so. paid or whether you didn't pay, you you could argue that now they know you'll pay up so you're more likely to get hit. But you could also argue that they want it; they're angry at you because you you they're retaliating because you didn't pay, and they want to make it so that you have no choice but to pay. Because that's really what it comes down to. I feel like we sit on this podcast and we say, "Oh, should you pay? Should you not?" Really, it's going to come down to, "Do you have to pay?" Because yes. if you're if the if it like like people mentioned like the LinkedIn comment, um, I, I forget the person's name, but basically Adrian says. You know, it's not a choice. It's literally, do we go out of business or do we pay? So, like, obviously, they're going to yeah, pay. It's that I'm going to put, this out, gonna put this out in the ether because I want to move on. We got a bunch of really cool stories. If you know of any studies that can actually quantify that these companies paid and then they got hit again shortly thereafter, I, I you know, even an anecdotal story or two would be nice, right? I don't. But even it still think wouldn't be causation, right? Because you could argue that they would hit them anyway. But let's get something. Because this gets into one of the things I hate about computer security. And I'm just as guilty of this as anybody else. I think we all are at some level where there's quote unquote truisms. And we're just like, well, that's true. What you if you pay, then they're gonna come back and they're gonna do it. Is there proof of that? Do we actually have data that supports that? I think the only way that we're talking out our asses. And I know I talk out of my ass quite a bit. That's this entire show, John. But But yeah, I mean this entire show. Basically, the the only way that it could be proven is if we get either infiltration or we get data from law enforcement organizations that are either infiltrating Mm -hmm. or taking them down. Because it's going to come down to, we're going to need to look through the lock bit Discord and read the chats where they're like, let's hit them again because they paid. Or right. let's hit the, like, it's going to come down Here. to firsthand, you know, stuff of what they are saying and thinking like their op notes, basically. Okay. Here's how you pivot. The ransomware operators have to become patching as a service. All right. You come in, you <laughs> ransomware them. Then you say, when I leave, you're going to be fine. You're going to be patched. The vulnerabilities are going to be good. Your Okta is going to be set up correctly. And then boom, we give you a report. Here you go. It's just going to be really the, big. All the best security firms have to get into remediation. This is like, you know, big four consulting crap it's like you have to get into remediation you can't just hack them you got to hack them and pay to fix them yeah it's basically <laughs> ransomware it's oh, i think james, you're right wait james b said insurance companies have a list of good bad guys and bad bad guys to determine who can actually be paid that's okay. a good point I, I would agree that if you're an insurance company you would absolutely yeah. have that. let's like, get that list at- insurance company leak your data but to I us i don't please. know of any news stories that that confirm that i know like in my head an insurance company would do that um, but in reality, working with some insurance companies, a lot of times it's a bunch of people running around an office, all the Lord of the Flies, and starting fires in the hallways and hoping to survive the next 48 hours. So I don't know. If we have any stories that kind of back that up, that would be awesome. Yes, I would love please to see that. substantiate your claims, leak your data. What could go wrong? <laughs> you know, what, could go, what could possibly go wrong? We don't talk boxing. about it on, on the show or anything. It's fine. Yeah. So... All right, I um I want to talk about some actual exploits um that are out there. The next one I would like to talk about is uh, the uh, vulnerability is now under mass exploitation. The Citrix bleed bug bites hard. I prefer mass uh, pandemonium. 
Oh, Mass Pandemonium does have a better ring to it, doesn't it? I like that one. This bleed is Citrix. too often. Citrix I bleed. I love this one. The name is great. The Throwback? Citrix bleed is a play on Heartbleed. Yeah. Um, it kind of give people a little bit of background on what Heartbleed was. Um, you could set up two devices, and then they could basically be set up as hot standby failover. And you would basically have device A send a heartbleed, uh, heartbeat request to device B and say, um, I need you to respond back with cat with like three characters. And it would respond back <laughs> with cat and three characters. And you would say dog in three characters. And it would say dog in three characters. And then you would say, I would like you to respond back with cat and two megs. And the other device would basically be like, okay, dog, dog, dog. Where am I going to get three megs? And it would literally just reach into memory and just grab random memory and then just dump that to pad out the rest of the data. Um, the vulnerability that we see here uh, for Citrix is very similar. It's using SNPrintF, um, and it's basically a request that goes in as a heartbeat notification. And then it basically says, hey, you know, we've exceeded this buffer, so what is it going to do for that buffer for the request that came back? It's just going to reach into memory and just start grabbing random memory and just dumping it. Um, which I love these types of vulnerabilities. Like, so, are... okay, can we have some kind of like fun little security announcement that we have whenever something is considered to be mass exploitation? Like, can yeah. we have like a little like I don't know convening of the council or something? Where text we're, message like, alert. And like, is thirty thousand? Does that constitute as mass exploitation? That is Ooh, not mass. At least, well, not yeah. But how much? Diff- how much Citrix is actually out there? Right. So, like, oh, fifty percent of it is honey pots. Corey, Corey, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to stand up for the fine folks at Ars Technica. <laughs> That's 20,000 Citrix servers. If we look at the total number of endpoints on the other side of those Citrix servers, you're probably going to be well into hundreds of thousands. That, I would say, would be mass exploitation. Of that. Yes. Well, so it's funny because this is how the numbers work, and this is all credited to Kevin Beaumont. Who's um, awesome, by the way. I so basically, like, I, I think it's fair to like say, okay, if there's 20,000 on Shodan... Then how many more are there not on Shodan? Like it's like it's like a <laughs> like it's like there's a ratio. Like let's say the Shodan to non-Shodan is what like one to five. So like if there's one on Shodan and there's five that aren't on Shodan, so like that's a lot. That's like one hundred k. If you go to Shodan and you can do a let's he said on Saturday it was a couple of days ago with the Shodan query you can find out which ones are exploited. Yep. So he could actually do a search on Showdown. So yeah, that's twenty thousand, not just vulnerable, but exploited. Oh, well, he's that's plugging gray noise instead of Showdown because gray with gray noise apparently you can follow the actual exploits. Like it's like one hundred ninety three IPs. If you're in there, uh, you need to tell Grandma to stop downloading stuff. <laughs> so, but no, I love this stuff. Right? Like, give us some details on what this exploit actually is. Um, and yeah, going back to Heartbleed is just chef's kiss. Awesome. Very, very, very. Yeah. Cool. And if you need something to be considered critical and mass exploitation to when the words Citrix and patch are in the same sentence, like I feel like you're, you're, you're not going to patch it. You're at that point. You don't even yeah. know it exists. Yeah. So this is a cool one. Um, the next one that I really liked as well. Um, let's talk about Apache active MQ servers, uh, remote code execution. Um, so this is another one that's kind of similar. Um, we have an, another one that's similar again with Microsoft, but, uh, but no, it's basically a whole crap ton of MQ servers are vulnerable to this particular exploit. Did I get this one right? This one we may not have. 
the full details on what uh, this it was the vulnerability. Was. So it's CV 2023 46604. It was disclosed oh. on Oct October 27th from Apache. Um, it's vulnerable to RCE, mail on attacker with network access to broker to run arbitrary shell commands. These are fun words from oh, Blast no, no, from no. the Past. No, I, I remember why I wanted to talk about this one. This is another one where Apache gave this uh, score of 10, a perfect 10. Yeah, I and, mean, it says it's serialized class types. I mean, does everyone remember deserialization vulnerabilities? That was like the gift that never stopped giving in pen testing. They just kept coming. So yeah. I'm glad we're getting back to that. Super it's good to see that stuff fun. not go away. It makes me yeah. feel relevant. We haven't moved on. So, I have so many detections right, so that, for, on Apache. That vulnerability. The next one was the Cisco one, which you want to talk about a blast from the freaking past. Uh, how many of you all remember Rainforest Pus Puppy and Whisker LibWhisker extensions? Zero. Oh, Crickets. right. I have uh, zero memory of this. Either I, I have amnesia or somebody, I'm too young. If somebody can hit up like what DEF CON um, Whisker was released, uh, that would be awesome because it was an early one. Uh, so whenever Rainforest Puppy released uh, Whisker, the LibWhisker extensions, um, it was basically a variety of different ways for bypassing web application firewalls and bypassing internal restrictions on web servers. So you can encode in a variety of different ways, like have a lot of spaces between the requests. Um, you could, or not requests, within the request, you could add a bunch of spaces. You could do character substitution for forward slash backslash and do like the hexing Unicode encoding for those various uh, for those various implementations. And also back then, you could do upper and lower case because Microsoft and Linux-based web servers handled case differently. Um, but a lot of what he came up with, and I think there was like 10 different techniques that he developed, and no one has find, found this yet, what DEF CON it was that Rainforest Puppy released. this. Um, but a lot of your exploits like this one, Cisco IOS vulnerability, will use variations on that. Um, so if you look at this actual Horizon3.ai article, um, you can see the post, and there's a type of encoding there where it's forward slash percent 255, sorry, 2577. That's using uh, a basic type of encoding for trying to um, basically do a directory traversal to access specific APIs or web APIs that are not directly accessible through standard authentication. Um, so what it says here is just bad path parsing. So by putting in that type of encoding, you not only bypass web application firewalls, but you also bypass the internal controls. And in this situation, it allows you to do direct access into what is it wpa i can't remember what is scroll up uh the web services management agent so you can actually then directly access it through the web zero authentication to get level 15 privileges on the device um which is just really cool and it was released ben from kc said it was 2000 so we're looking at 23 years ago uh back in 2000 cult of the dead cow uh, DEFCON 8 is when this was first released. Uh, so, of course, okay. Mr. Ricker became Nikto, and Rainforest Puppy is now an executive at a security company and no longer responds to the name Rainforest Puppy or RFP. Either that or I've been stalking the wrong person. <laughs> so, okay, this might be a stupid question, but we talk about all these patch-related vulnerabilities. Is it? Should I be assuming that everyone can even get these patches? <laughs> like for I know with Cisco, IOS. they're notorious for being like, "Oh, you want to actually patch? You got to hand us an unmarked, you know, bills that are you know random serial numbers and send it to yeah. 
you know, Miami and it'll be put on a speedboat and then you can get the patch. They're like, how, how can, does anyone know? Can you just download these patches and patch your stuff super easy? Or is it like, I, really I think annoying? that this is such a red teamer question. I, I, I love this question, right? Because I know I always looked at it like, why the hell are people just not patching their crap or just having it automatically patched? And some things, absolutely, they can automatically patch and it works great almost all the time. Life is good. Well, I just mean, are the patches even available? Um, this one like, does can they have, even get it? Yeah, I think you can get this one. Um, the other one, the Citrix one, that vulnerability was discovered months ago, I believe. Well, both of these um, are old. Both of these vulnerabilities yeah. are old. Oh. Like this is this is end day exploitation, which as a red teamer, this is exactly the kind of stuff that I jump on because yep. we don't do zero days. They're too expensive and unethical, but we do end days because that's what everyone else does. And, and it's also funny with the Cisco one, most of our customers, we were a little bit uh you know, biased, of course. Our customers are always mm -hmm. more secure than the average, but they're all like, <laughs> wait, people use web interfaces on their Cisco stuff? That's a terrible idea. So um, then we just sit around and stare at the floor in disbelief for a little while. We're just like, so, wow, how did we get so King lucky? Killer, uh, Corey, Kingkiller39 has a great uh, point for this. Cisco requires support contract for patches. Yeah. So, if I, yeah. So, like, what just percentage, what percentage of Cisco customers have these? contract that's what i'm asking as as a blue teamer who just like looks at logs all day i did not even know that was a thing like, like what, what when, when i when i find something i'm like hey man this is really old you need to patch it and i tell like vulnerability management or the owner i just like put it out of sure. my mind i'm like i'll write a sure. detection for that just in case but the but thing is I know, know, like i don't even think about it particularly with cisco it is not as easy as just download this like with you know microsoft has made it easier and easier because they've been hacked time and time again and now, well, like, really, the, the standard for software is if it can't auto self-update, then, like, it isn't worth buying at this point. So Let's pump the brakes on that statement just a little bit. Uh, we were talking about Gossy the dog, Kevin, a little bit earlier. If I remember correctly, um, whenever we had all the exchange zero days that were floating around, <laughs> um, he decided, what the hell? I'm going to see how hard it is to patch an exchange server. And the answer was, like, surprisingly difficult to get those through, Right. So while I think that Microsoft's patching and Ben, of K ben from KC said yes, but Microsoft patching is still an absolute disaster, I would say for some things, yes. For a lot of the stuff that's on the desktop, it's way better than any vendor that's out there. But still, for something like Exchange, it's an absolute nightmare that makes your eyes bleed. And to this so day. it's like at least you can get the patch, but you can't apply it. It's like, is that even worse? Dude, <laughs> if you're when, I think when Kevin was doing it, um, I, I, I'd have to find his blog post on it. Somebody can find it, I'm sure. Uh, but literally, like he tried installing it right off the bat, double clicking it, and it would pop up something very quickly, and then it just went away and it just failed. And then he had to go through and try to figure out why was the patch failing and getting the error. Like it was flashing so fast, you wouldn't get a chance to see it. it so it sucked. So here's what I'm imagining. The the vulnerability management people at companies right now, they have like a glass, like one of those like glass cases that's really fancy and there's like a USB stick in it. And it's like, what's that? Oh, that's the Cisco patch. We got it. We can't apply it because it'll break everything, but we got it. So we're 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 putting it here in this glass case. You literally, if anyone... just, you literally just described every single DOD network uh, that's classified, Sipper, Nippernet, um, GWAN, CWAN, all of those different networks that are classified, you literally just described their patching methodology. It's like, well, we aren't going to patch this until there's actually an exploit on our network, and we're not connected to the internet, so we don't have to worry about that, right? And they're like, don't touch the freaking glass. <laughs> don't touch the glass. If you if, 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 if you take that like USB stick out of the enclosure, like an alarm goes off, they're like, 
Hold on, someone's trying to patch the Citrix server. Oh this happened. <laughs> you can't patch that. We still need HTML or uh, what is it? Uh, Microsoft. Uh, what is like the software? We still that need ActiveX oh, yeah. controls. Internet we still need I'm sorry, I just got a little distracted because what Strand are we J. even looking at? <laughs> Strand I, JSPT. Welcome. I am Strand JSPT. It looks nothing like. Welcome. I am Strand JSPT. What is what is I am JSPT? Strand JSPT. What I am a large MP? language learning model utilizing a data set composed of InfoSec memes, every Linux man page ever written, and decades of IRC chatter. <laughs> the googly eyes just really take it over the edge into being like funny to into creepy. I, hey, hey, this is the worst it's ever going to be. And in a year from now, I'll be retired. Okay? It's yes. doing its job. You won't even have to do webcasts anymore. Strand, I won't even have Strand to do webcasts JSPT. anymore. So, Strand JSPT, what do you think about Cisco? Do you think they'll uh, release this patch, or is it safe to patch? Processing. Please wait. I am Strand JSPT, <laughs> not compute. I am a large language learning model no utilizing function. a data set composed of... Oh, no. Oh, no. He's <laughs> overheating. ...and decades of IRC chatter. Thank you, Broken Loading <laughs> Error loading, file too large. Loading technical rant.mp4. Error loading, file too large. <laughs> I don't see how this is anything other than a win. All right, well, I guess that pretty much sums it up. I mean, uh, thank you for that, JSPT. Good God. All right, are we ready to, are we ready to talk about the S? I do remember as far as patching and patch availability goes back in my days of doing sysadmin work and having to deal with patches directly up. There were a lot of companies at least 10 years ago that hid their patches behind needing that current support contract. It wasn't yeah. just Cisco. No, um, correct. Yeah. Which, makes it, which makes it more difficult because everybody forgets to renew their stuff. And then yes, by the time I was totally it, just trying yeah. to publicly shame any company that gets hacked and then says, well, you can't get the patch. You got to pay extra or you got to renew your support contract. Like, it's just don't do business with those companies is all I'm saying. <laughs> Unfortunately, they were some very large companies that a lot of people do business with. That's yeah. the problem. Because that, sure, they get away sure. because they can, right, Mike? I mean, yep. it's like, where else are you going to go? Are you going to run Linux on your desktops? <laughs> Actually, what are you going to do? Yeah, do? Like do? Torrent it from a torrent site where somebody <laughs> you, might have tossed you, something dude, into it? You joke you about that. Download a patch. Like, you joke about that. I've done that. Like, I've well, literally gone through and got, like, like totally, quote-unquote, illegal patches off of torrent sites. Yes, I know what that what, is. Like. What I want to see, it. here's what I want to see. I want to see an article where Citrix gets hacked because they downloaded an illegal patch for their Cisco device that had malware. <laughs> <laughs> And they exploited the uh, the authentication for Okta uh, for the app. Corey, is there any dark web markets for patches? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Patch GPT or you know, patch forums. Yeah, yeah all they do static, is they, they static yeah. tears said the year of the Linux desktop is upon us. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the big story that I've been kind of avoiding because it, it, I think it's going to take the rest of the show, but. Yeah. SEC charges SolarWinds CISO with fraud and misleading investors before a major cyber attack. Ah, there's a lot to unpack here. Um, so it's the SEC, first of all. I feel like we should start with that. This is yeah. SEC, so this yes. is publicly traded companies. This is securities-related stuff. This is not like the HIPAA fines we were talking about or other... No, like it's, this has teeth. Yeah. Yeah. I, crap. Nobody... Okay. Uh, so... No, I... <laughs> yeah. 
I don't know where to go with this one, to be honest, because I think that you can look at this from two perspectives, right? This goes back into the do not report if there's a breach because the SEC will come and burn your house down. Um, that's one way that you can look at it, right? Um, there's something in here where like their SEC filings just had generic security language. Of course there was. It's public. Like you're not going to go into your SEC filings and be like, you know what? We've got a core vulnerability in the Rack F interface of our AS400 that's running our entire company. And we really think it would be horrible if somebody was able to actually exploit that. I mean, that's way too much detail. So um, for, uh, for it's, me, the, it's, for... it's the corporate version of if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. For me, this oh. reads GRC ran everything, right? And just because you're compliant and you have all the rules doesn't mean everything's set up correctly. No, no, I don't think it's that. That's, I, think that's it's, what, I don't think it's just that, but I think that's part of it. Like, well, that's... so, okay. So for anyone wondering, like, what did he actually do? Because it's insane. The precedent is very dangerous. Oh, if you're a, if you're a, a CSO at a company and they get breached, they're going to get fined. That isn't the precedent that's being set here. The no, precedent that's no, no, being no. set is basically... They misled investors by disclosing only generic and hypothetical risks at a time when the company and Brown knew of specific deficiencies in their cybersecurity well, practice, as well I, as increasingly elevated risks. I mean, this is where it gets into kind of scary material because he God, knew but, of specific deficiencies in their practices. Who doesn't but, that apply to? Is but, there anyone but, okay, that yes, doesn't agree, know? Right there. Yeah. And I hate this because I'm defending solar winds, right? <laughs> I think that's the biggest thing that pisses me off about this entire thing is then what is the SEC's recommendation? Are we going to start putting in detail? Like, here's a pen testing report. We're going to put that into our SEC filings as a roadmap on how to hack our network. Um, and I think this gets this ties into the patching conversation that we just had, right? I think that there's a lot of people in the government and regulatory bodies that are like, what the hell's wrong with you? How come you just didn't fix the freaking vulnerabilities? But a lot of these vulnerabilities are not things that can be addressed very quickly. All of that being said, um, there are a ton of companies that keep on just pushing that tech debt further and further and further on down the road. So they don't ever fix anything because they don't, you know, oh, it's tech debt. Oh, it's legacy. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. So I hate this story because there's nobody that you can look at and be like, yeah, they're clearly the good guys in this story. Uh, like, I'm not impressed with what the SEC did here. I'm not impressed with solar winds. I just think that this is a really shitty way of handling the whole solar winds debacle. I, I don't know. I, I do think okay, so. Wait, we, wait, wait. We got we to gotta write up from somebody who actually knows what she's talking about. <laughs> All right. She should uh, just Kelly, be in here. Kelly Tarallo, who should totally be on the news right now, uh, said SolarWinds claimed it follows the NIST cybersecurity framework with layered controls, help identity prevent, detect, respond to security. However, in 2019 assessment, the SEC identified SolarWinds only assessed they had a program or practices in place for 21 of the 325 SP, um, a NIST SP 853 version four controls. That so, yeah, okay. So that puts some context. That's bad. So, uh, okay, bad. here's here's my take on this. So all the time on the show, we talk about how breaches won't matter. We like, this is like basically a recurring theme on the show of like, oh yeah, 100K fine. That's five minutes of revenue or, uh, you know, whatever Facebook's $2 million fine. It's like 10 minutes of revenue. But at the end of the day, this is laying the groundwork for breaches do start to matter if they're talking about criminal charges or other charges or fines against executives that intentionally or unintentionally, or if they make statements, if they sign the bottom of the document that says we're super secure and they know they're not, which again, I, I go back to every company knows there's insecurities. That's kind of just an unspoken statement of any security program anywhere. Like 
never have I ever walked into a company and said, what's, what's, uh, you know, what's going on? And they've just said, everything's perfect. We have no problems. Oh, like everything's secure. All right. We have absolutely had those customers where they're like, yeah, your team's not going to get anywhere. We think we're pretty secure. <laughs> Inevitably a hundred percent of the time it's a smoking festering. Just yes. train. And my concern with this is this precedent basically says ignorance is bliss. If you didn't know it was bad, then you're safe. I mean, that's not actually what it is, but that looking at it okay, from the executive that level, is that's... Thing. I'm going to bring Patterson back into this. This also ties to IR. It was two weeks ago or last week, we were talking to an incident response customer and one of them said, yeah, we got this report from big pen test or not pen testing forensics firm X. And they're like, this report sucked. Like there was no detail in it. And I'll let Patterson talk more on this, but yeah, that was intentional. Like it was intentional that there was very little data in that IR report. Right. And I'm wondering, are we going to start, I'll let Patterson kind of explain why, but I'm wondering if we're going to start seeing the same thing in pen, like requests for pen test reports, like BHIS, we really appreciate the fact that you all want to write like a 200 page report, but could you not? Um, because there's too much data. So do you want to talk a little bit about the IR and why, why forensics reports are getting thinner and thinner and thinner? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, see a definitive trend over the last couple of years uh, for subsequent lawsuits, and usually, or at least most often, they're class action lawsuits. They're they're the business customers suing the organization for negligence, and so more often than not, we're engaged with those customers through legal counsel. And long story short, if it's not in writing, it's not discoverable. And so, so again, they're they're often hiding. I think in the face of you know, can we be accused with uh, of negligence, willful negligence? And so we stick to the facts, um, the minimalistic facts in the report to protect that organization legally. And then often we'll have conversations that aren't in writing that elaborate on the findings and the uh, and the issues, etc. And a lot of those conversations are with their attorneys, right? Like there's I the mean, attorneys are always there. Yeah. For <laughs> yeah. Sure. And it's got like the attorney disclaimer there. So it's privileged information. Well, as well. Well, we, we worked, we worked a fairly significant healthcare case not long ago. And the, the healthcare organization was exploited largely because of MS 17010, you know, eternal blue. And, and of course the 17 and 17010 is from 2017. And yeah. that's the kind of thing that, don't put that in the report. <laughs> yeah, don't put that. <laughs> don't yeah. put that in the report. And, but and... what about the nostalgia hit for the pen testers? Okay, fine. <laughs> yeah, or it the hackers. It, it worked. Yeah, uh, but yeah, that. And when we talk about the solar runs things, that's the first thing that comes to my mind. Is there a way to define willful negligence or knowledgeable negligence versus some of the other commentary that we know we're all imperfect? Um, See, but this also gets into. I, I've told this story already a number of episodes ago, but. I remember I was working with a, uh, a CISO, new CISO. Uh, she was just put into that role and she had us pen test a bunch of the aspects of their company and they had multiple, multiple apps and they were bad. Like there were web servers where it was the automatically generated web server that access creates you web, web servers that they were running internally, like really horrifically bad security. And the whole entire culture of that entire company was well, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. It's too expensive to fix. This is the way that we've always done it. And I remember being in a room with her. She cleared out the tech people and she said, I need you to tell me honestly, how bad is it here? And I said, I strongly recommend that you put six months to a year in and then you get the hell out of here as quickly as possible. Uh, because there's no way that you're going to change the culture in this organization 
you're going to get saddled with full responsibility for absolutely everything that's wrong in this organization. You need to try to get out as quickly as you can. And I hate to say that that's advice that I've given one of our thousands and thousands of customers, but seriously, I mean, it's sometimes literally just that bad that you, there is no way that you're going to fix it. I mean, it. I, I think like I've prepared, I've actually worked for approximately 0.2 seconds to prepare a statement that all CSOs can use uh, going forward. And it is, we know there are problems and we're working to fix them. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> like, that's yeah. like, I mean, but from it's, the SEC saying they're going to be like, that's not enough detail. But not even not even all CISOs there, because I, I think what's happening is absolutely going to equip like the CISOs that are doing the good work. Those oh, CISOs true. out there that are not doing the good work, they absolutely there there are unfortunately CISOs out there that will never admit that like we have problems and we're working to address them. They're like, no, everything's good. And if yeah. you think there's anything that's wrong, do not write that down. Like I've I've been in companies, I've seen others that have companies that are like, we do not write down that there is a problem that this is potentially breachable. Do not write that down. Is it, isn't that's there, what he got the, there's legal for. precedence that's... of that too, though, right? Of that yeah. one of those reports was written and then they did get breached and it was due to something in that report and then they lost a lot of money in assuming. Yep. Right? Yes. I believe I, it was... I, I, I don't, don't say it, Wade. Okay. I, yeah, I can't talk about that one. But okay. yes, oh, you're okay. probably All right. right. Okay. So, um, so there's a. It's funny. Sasperilla said, "I'm pretty sure I worked for that company that John mentioned." You wouldn't believe how many people come up to me and say the exact same thing. Was that story about our company? No, could have been all of our companies. Um, But Boondockies has got a great quote. Said SolarWinds attribution was allegedly from Russia SVT. Who's to say a nation state APT can't be 100% prevented? I mean, that gets into. The question for this, is it going to be, well, you're hacked, therefore your security suck? I mean, that's kind of a scary... It's not even whether your security sucks, by the way. That, that isn't what they got. This was that's Russia. Not, they're not even mad that the security sucked. They're mad that he said it didn't... They're mad that he said yeah. it didn't suck as bad as it actually did suck. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think I they even wrote down, like, we lied to them. Like, there was something in the, the report, and I can't bring that up because I don't have that handy but where they said like after a discussion like they literally wrote down in their internal chat like yeah i lied to them like yeah. <laughs> yeah. so it's sort of like okay well then but so that makes it like very clear cut but then that also like it for those that are going oh well we don't want to get in trouble they're going to look at it and say well just so long as we don't suck as bad as they do uh we'll be fine yeah you know this isn't like running from a bear like you, you just have to be the fastest right works until you realize the bears have jetpacks ak-47s and rocket launchers and they kill it discriminantly Is yeah, that, that, the that led to a coloring for? book item <laughs> yeah i think it did actually but I mean, uh, yeah this okay is so a... i want to i want to ask a question because we only got a few minutes left Corey. is this going to make things better kind of like alex said it's going to equip CISOs with more ammunition or is it going to make things worse where they're going to be like, we need to lie better? I think it depends. Both. It depends. Go ahead, Mike. Um, it, it depends upon the moral and ethical views of the board or of the higher ups at that point in time as to what they're expecting from their CISO. It, it, it's the honest truth. You're going to have some companies that are going to say, yes, we want to be on the up and up with this. And then we've got some company. You got some companies that are going to say, "Well, look, it's the CISO that's going to take the fall for it, so let's let him take the fall. And let's hit, let him do this stuff. And if you want to say stay in your job, you're going to do this." 
What I'm curious about is how this is going to go ahead and allow, bring CISOs along in the longer security terms. If, If we've got these unethical boards that are saying, go ahead and lie about this stuff, or the CISO that says, I have to lie about it, what's that going to do for the CISO position? There's already a number of people out there that feel that people are in CISO positions that shouldn't be in them to start with. Agreed. Is, it, is I, that going to go I, ahead and make this I even worse? Sick. I feel sick because, you know, for the purpose of brevity, you know, you were very on the nose, but you also know that a lot of those CISOs, they're being told, we don't want you to lie exactly because that would be wrong. But we just don't want you to talk about this over here, which isn't lying, is it? It's like that absolutely is. Um, yeah, Alec I mean, was incredibly polite and raised his hand. <laughs> I, yeah, I know. I was like, I'm raising my hand like this in class. But I, I mean, I think it's going to be a good thing in the long run. I do think, unfortunately, we're going to have to see other trees fall because, yeah. you know, as static tear, static tear said, like, don't write this down as we're going to become a lot more common. Yes. Yes. yes you're yes. going to see that and you're going to have to wait for those commonalities to then be the trees that fall. So when we have like the next dozen that go, hey, we took the stance of don't write this down and thought they would be okay. When those trees start to fall, then you're going to start to see a lot of people go, oh, holy cow, we actually have to address this, do this. So in the long run, yes, it'll be beneficial, but we're going to have to see a few more trees fall uh, like solar. I I also quickly have a theory that a lot of the CISO rules that we're going to see filled, they're going to be like, yeah, Bill's an a-hole. Let's make him the CISO. Why? <laughs> He's then the fall guy. We hate him. Oh, we're, going to him. we're going to promote him into the, the scapegoat for the whole company? Yes, absolutely. I, I mean, um, I, my take on this is like, all this is, from my perspective, the only thing this is doing is bringing cybersecurity into the fold of like board and fraud and corporate, like, this is securities fraud and misleading investors. Like this has been a hundred or however, how long has the stock market existed? However long that has been, this has been a thing. Misleading investors, lying, don't write this down. Oh yeah, cooking the books, don't write that down. Yeah, um, don't write that down. Yeah, like this is just adding cybersecurity into the fold of like already companies after 2008 and after Enron, they know not to mess with the books. Like don't, yeah. like, don't do these things things that will send you to jail whether you're the, the executive or the you know accountant firm or whatever no, no, do those things just don't it's, write them but, down it, it, it reminds, but that's my thing it doesn't change the script like mike said it will totally depend on the ethics and of the board if they're gonna lie they were already lying about their bank account balance their you know accounts receipt. they were so this is just adding cybersecurity into the list of like hey this now matters on the level of like finance and i feel like it's good for most companies because it shows, hey, cybersecurity, it gets them a seat at the table. Like, if we're going to yeah. be SEC compliant, we need to have the CSO able to, like, make accurate statements. I mean, if it's a, it's it, if, it, if the crime company, you know, it, is going to well, make so, it into a crime, whatever. It's like. it, it reminds me of, like, how they they get the mob for racketeering or for tax fraud. Right. You can't yeah, get yeah. them for the original crime. You have to figure out and pivot another way in order to dink them and get them. And honestly, like all these security laws aren't working out. So how can we get them? Maybe the SEC can get them for lying. Right. Yeah. So that's it's right. finally like, some way to punish them. Yeah. yeah. I mean, right. that's just, I think, yeah. I think Strand um, JSPT um, has some concluding remarks and then we're going to go out with the, with the crooked finger. So God help me, Strand JSGPT. What are your thoughts on this? 
Strand JSPT is aware of all the possible vulnerabilities required for reporting to the SEC. I have automatically reported 2452-565-4366-4342 instances of fall 2023 to the Securities and Exchange Commission. All right, with that, <laughs> Ryan, take us out. <laughs>